Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. My husband, Tim, and I grew up together. And when I say we grew up together, I mean we met in fourth grade. Now, don't worry, he had cooties for a really long time. So we didn't start dating in elementary school or anything, but we have been in each other's lives significantly longer than the time that elapsed before we met. When I tell a story about the sixth grade play I was in, Tim was in it too. When I tell a story about my high school biology teacher, he was also Tim's high school biology teacher. So much of our history is shared. I'm also an only child, so Tim is the one that I do that thing with that I see siblings do where you gather around the table like at Thanksgiving, oh, remember the time when mom, blah, 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 or when dad did that ridiculous thing? It's Tim that I do that with. And so it is startling to me in ways that it really shouldn't be, but it is, when I'm reminded that we don't have a completely shared history that we don't have exactly the same lived experience. I'm usually reminded of this when we're in the car on the way to Playhouse Square to see a Broadway musical. I'll be sitting in the car trying not to dance while in my head is going, see how hard it is not to dance? That's what's going on in my head, and in the middle of that revelry, I'll hear, so, Lindsay, what's this musical about we're going to see? I'm I'm sorry. Cats? Have you never seen cats? No. I'm sorry. You've never seen Cats, the musical that literally came out the year we were born and has been going strong ever since. Yeah, never seen it. Okay, but... You know the music, right? Like, rum-tum-tugger, he's a curious cat. No. Okay, uh, what about Mr. Mistopheles? No. But the Jellicoe Ball, you know the Jellicoe Ball. Still no, Lindsay. And at this point, I can see in his brain, he is rethinking why he ever thought it would be a good idea to have season tickets to Broadway musicals. And if I had plurals, pearls on, I would be clutching them, But since I don't, I just have to, like, hold onto the sides of the car and take a deep breath and say, but you know the song, right? The song? Memory. You know memory? I mean, I think I've heard it before. Midnight! He's like, yeah, okay, okay, Lindsay, yeah, mm-hmm, I think I've heard it. You think you've heard it? How do you think you've heard it? Tim, what were you doing in your childhood if you were not in your room with your mini boom box listening to your cassette tape of the original cast recording of Cats and rewinding it to learn all of the words? What were you doing? I don't know, watching Star Trek? But surely your parents, like, played the soundtrack, like the album, like on the album, in, in the house, so you would have this musical education? No. 
Those are the moments, and we have them regularly, that I am reminded that my experience is not the universal experience. I know it's hard to believe, but if I ask for a show of hands of how many of you were like listening to your cassette tape on your boombox and learning all the words to cats, I don't think many of you would raise your, raise your hand. My experience is not the universal experience, and it is really important for me and for all of us to be reminded of that. It's good to be reminded of that all the time, and particularly when we read scripture, because we each bring a different set of understandings of context and life experiences to the reading of any given passage. When we read a story in scripture about community, it's also important to note that not all of us experience community in the same way. Our experiences vary depending on where we live, how old we are, the color of our skin, the political system of the country we happen to live on, and so on. So when we come together and read a passage about a new heaven and a new earth, we must remember that it's not my new heaven and new earth. It's not your or your or your or your new heaven and new earth. It's God's new heaven and new earth. And therefore, it is our new heaven and new earth. And it's for all of us. And it's not born of a simplistic hope. The hope of a new heaven and a new earth is not the hope that's embroidered on a dish towel or on a woodblock sign on your shelf. This is a hope that is born of deep pain and struggle. Only when we walk through these things can we experience this deep and true and life-giving hope. We learn this in the story of Isaiah that we've been reading these last several weeks. See, the people have messed up a lot. And the choices they and their leaders have made have led to dire consequences. They've been exiled from their homes. They've been forced to live in places that are not their own, toiling greatly for the benefit of their oppressors. That line that Nora just read, they won't build for others to live in nor plant for others to eat. On the surface, it sounds kind of rude and like, you know, not what God usually asks of God's people. But in this scripture passage, what Isaiah is saying is that the struggle that his people are going through, where they have been treated terribly, live uncomfortably, and work themselves to the bone only to be exploited, that's going to end. It's going to end, and a peaceful, meaningful, and full future is ahead. And reading Isaiah, we have traveled from confession and lament, from naming things that are wrong that we are complicit in, and really facing the difficulty of that truth. We've journeyed from that then to repentance, not just facing the truth, but doing something about it, making changes in how we live and act to repair the harm that has been done. And this vision of a new heaven and a new earth we see what it can be like when we work with each other and with God to co-create a new kind of reality, a reality in which there is redemption and reconciliation, healing and wholeness, a reality in which we get to live 
as a beloved kingdom. This is not a passive process, though. Each step of the way requires us to give of ourselves, to be vulnerable, to be open to change, that word we dislike most. We can't just sit around and wait for God to snap God's fingers and all of a sudden life is grand. We have a part to play in the creation of this world. That's what John's vision in Revelation is showing us as well. And even when this kind of world seems ridiculously absurd and impossible, we're reminded of Mary's words that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. If we read these visions in Isaiah and Revelation disconnected from the rest of the books that they're a part of, then this hopeful vision of a new reality is meaningless. It's trite and saccharine and cliche. But if you take these visions in their bigger context, you see that through all of the pain and all of the suffering and lament, that it is hope that we are all working toward. This kind of hope and this kind of world doesn't and can't exist without the hard work that it takes to get there. It's all intimately connected. But this kind of disconnection happens more than any of us want to admit. We say things like, why can't we all just get along? Which feels sincere, but often is actually code for, if everyone was just like me, or mostly like me, this world would be a better place. How hard could this be? It's like me in the car with Tim saying over and over, wait, you haven't seen cats? How is that possible? There is no one universal experience. And as ridiculous as my story about my husband and I trying to get on the same page about a Broadway musical is, those are the kinds of conversations and experiences on the small scale that we have to work our way through if we ever think that as a community, we're going to come together to provide education for children and health care for those who need it and have a government that is truly looking out for and responding to the needs of all, all the people. I have some real opinions about that. I have some real ideas about what this world needs and how to happen, but guess what? This is not my new heaven and new earth. It is our new heaven, and new earth. It's ours that we are working toward, and there's no reconciliation or redemption without confrontation and confession within each of us, all of us. As Archbishop Desmond Tutu has said, true reconciliation exposes the awfulness, the abuse, the pain, the hurt, the truth. And friends, if we can lean into God's grace and mercy to guide us through this pain toward reconciliation, that is how we get to the new heaven and the new earth. It starts at our Thanksgiving tables and bus stop conversations and when we're in line at the grocery store. And it works its way up to listening and learning about each other on a broader level and keeps pushing us toward being more open to hearing and discovering the truth about ourselves, no matter how messy, and then doing something to clean it up going forward. From there, 
from there, we can move into both more particular and also larger scale conversations about things like governance and policy. It's hard and I hate it most days, but we can't skip any of the steps if we're really going to join in this creation of beloved community. And the hope we need is to truly trust and believe that God is present with us, all of us. So if that embroidered dish towel or woodblock sign on your shelf reminds you of these things, keep them up. I'm not here to judge how you decorate your home. I just want to encourage you to think of hope as something weightier and meatier. God isn't going to give up on us, even in our darkest days. So may the praise and thanksgiving that we offer back to God for the love that we have been shown be that we show up and we be present for each other and we keep doing the work. The work not of just moving forward, but toward one another, no matter how hard that will be. I think maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber knew a little bit about these visions when he wrote this one verse of memory. Daylight, I must wait for the, this is too high, sunrise. There's a lot of reasons why I'm not a Broadway musical actress. I must think of a new life, and I mustn't give in. When the dawn comes, tonight will be a memory too. And a new day will begin. Hallelujah and amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.